time for the Retirement Roadmap Podcast with registered financial consultant, Glenn Mosseller. It's time for another Retirement Roadmap Podcast. Walter Storholt alongside Glenn Mosseller today, founder and president of Roadmap Financial Consulting with an office in Greensboro on Muir's Chapel Road. Glenn is a registered financial consultant and he is well qualified for today's program. We're going to crack open the financial dictionary, step into the classroom, and we'll take a look at some financial terms, define them for you, and find out if they're important for the typical investor or saver to know about them. So I like it when we get to do this every once in a while, Glenn, and just sort of go through a couple of different topics in the financial world and uh, just get some better understanding and education about some of these buzzwords and pieces of financial information that we need to define and make sure that we know as investors and savers. So I've uh, gathered a couple today, and I'm going to throw them out there in, um, I don't know, I guess this is somewhat somewhat of an alphabetical order in a way. The first one on the list, accelerated death benefit. Accelerated death benefit. Now, putting the words accelerated and death together never sounds like a good thing, Glenn. <laughs> yeah, well, you're right, Walter. I hadn't really thought about it like that, but, <laughs> but uh, no. I mean, obviously, when you're talking about death benefit, you're you're you know very likely talking about like a life insurance type of policy, right? You know, the the idea of the accelerated death benefit. I mean, that that's something that has 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 become something that is that is available in a number of policies today. And the idea is is that you know when you start looking at you know if you're needing long term care, let's say. Right. And you, you know, most people don't like the idea when I have a conversation, I ask them, it's like, well, what have you done for, you know, in terms of the hedge your hedge your uh, risks against long term care? You know, do you have a long term care policy? More often than not, when I ask that question, you know, folks say, well, no, you know, I don't I don't I, I haven't done that because it's like, you know, when I look at those long term care policies, they seem so expensive. And and I don't know that for sure if, if we're ever going to need that or not. And it's awfully hard to justify the idea of, of spending a lot of money on something that you're that you're not sure if you're going to ever need. And so, you know, the the insurance industry has you know gotten kind of smart about things, and they you know and and evolved over time with with different ways that they structure policies. And you know, long story short is is that there is a number of different life insurance policies out there that you know if if you have a life insurance policy that has a quote unquote accelerated death benefit, you know, means that not that you're accelerating death, but you could potentially access the death benefit while you're still alive. For, you know, for different reasons. It might be for terminal illness or it might be for, you know, for chronic illness, you know, or, and those kinds of things where, you know, it's, if you if you needed to tap into that, then those particular policies that, that have that 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 type of um, flexibility in them, you know, you know, can provide. And so a lot of times folks like that idea because, you know, they, they feel like, well, you know, hey, I mean, that gives me the opportunity to, ha- you know, to have access to that if I needed it. But if I didn't need it, then it could still pass on to my heirs. And, you know, and, and that kind of a scenario, it, it, it has a little bit more flexibility to to that type of policy. And so, again, we're seeing more and more of those, you know, out there in the marketplace. But that being said, you got to be, you know, you got to be careful because they're not not all accelerated death benefits by all different policies and all different companies are, are the same. So you really want to you want to make sure that uh, that it's going to be there and, and give you the benefits that, that you think it's going to and make sure that you, you know, if, if that if that sounds of interest to you. Then um, you know, want to make sure that uh, that you have that uh, that consultation, and let's let's talk about what might work for you, and if it, if it's the right fit. It may or may not be, but but it's certainly worth the, having the conversation. An important topic to discuss, no doubt about it. If you ever uh, look at an insurance product as part of your financial plan, and that term definitely uh, probably will come up as you go through that. 
Now, sometimes these uh, pieces of dictionary items we come across or buzzwords end up being abbreviations for something else. This one you have probably heard of some point in time in your life, AGI. Uh, what is the AGI? Why is that important? Where do you run into that, Glenn? Well, Walter, we've talked about taxes lots of times, haven't we? You know, an AGI is simply your adjusted gross income, you know, and anybody who's ever looked at a tax return and, you know, kind of looked at it in any detail, you know, sees, okay, that there's that AGI or that adjusted gross income, which is an important number to know. And it's, it's going to be calculated, you know, based upon, you know, the, all your different income sources. And then, you know, after, you know, when you're looking at the tax return, once you have arrived at the adjusted gross income, then you take out your deductions. And once you take out your deductions, then you take a look and say, okay, well, now what's left is your taxable income, right? And so that's what any income tax would be, you know, would be assessed upon as would be the, the taxable income. So, you know, one of our goals in terms of, you know, planning and, you know, and, and being tax aware is, is that, you know, what, what is your, um, what is your adjusted gross income number going to be in relation to your overall amount of deductions, right? And can you have some control over what that adjusted gross income is? You know, and obviously, you know, it depends upon, you know, if you're in the working years, then it's going to largely going to be, you know, it's going to be a function of your, you know, what your salary and or what your spouse's salary is, plus any other investments or any other income sources that you might have. But then when you transition to retirement, that adjusted gross income number, you know, has a little bit more, you know, flexibility and, and you can have a little bit more control over it. And the reason I say that is, is because there's certain um, types of accounts that are going to be treated one way versus another. Other in you know in, in terms of the tax code, whereas like if you're working and you have you have earned income, well, it's going to be treated the same way no matter you know no, no matter where you're working or, or you know or how you're working if you're self-employed or or whether you're you know you're working for somebody else. And you, when you have earned income, it's going to be treated as ordinary income, and that's going to be you know part of what that adjusted gross income is. But you know when you move to retirement, you know that that certainly is going to be the case. So sometimes some of your social security benefits might end up getting added in there, you know, if the calculation, you know, determines that distributions from, uh, you know, from an IRA or, you know, or a 401k potentially can go into that AGI number. Whereas it's like, if there's distributions coming out of a Roth account, you know, then that, that may not show up and which may be able to protect some of, some of your other income. And, and maybe, maybe you can still have cash flow that, that provides you with the lifestyle that you want, but you're able to control what that income number actually says. If you, if you have some tax aware planning and you're working with a, with a uh, with an advisor that can that can help you you know maneuver and make sure that you you don't overpay in your tax bill in retirement so to speak yeah Glenn I think that's uh, uh, definitely one that people need to think about uh, taxes can get complicated quickly especially the more buzzwords and uh, you know things we have to learn about taxes but it's an important concept to uh, try and wrap your head around at least during the planning process once you get through the planning process you can forget what that one means but just <laughs> Remember it during whenever taxes come around. Try and remember what the AGI is and how it fits into your plan. Now, I've heard this one a lot before, Glenn. Fundamental analysis. This sounds like a lot of fluff that somebody would just throw out there to uh, kind of try and support maybe some you know basic research that they've done. But they call it fundamental analysis, and it becomes official. I have no idea if that's actually true or not. What what in the world is fundamental analysis in the in the financial and retirement realm? Well, typically, when you're thinking about and you and you hear about fundamental analysis, you're you're talking about the fundamentals, right? I mean, it just kind of <laughs> it kind of comes you know, straight out to, to it. So, what does that really mean? Well, you're talking about you know if you're looking at the fundamental analysis of a particular company, 
you know, and, um, you know, and, and, and maybe potentially looking at the, the price of the shares of their, of their stock, if they're a you know, publicly traded company, you know, you look at their business model, you know, in, 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 the, in the cash flow that they're creating, the earnings that they're having and all the different things that factor in there, you know, is it sustainable and how does that interact with what's going on in the economy today, you know, and as, and, and all of the fundamentals, you know, combined, you know, end up, you know, becoming what's called, you know, quote unquote, fundamental analysis. And so it's, again, it's not, an end-all be-all it's a piece of the puzzle when you're looking at you know valuations and what things might be worth and, and that kind of thing but certainly they can they can you know vary you know dramatically you know you can you know you can listen to different ones you know when you know when, when you're watching the, the the financial networks or if you're reading articles and whatnot and you know that some folks put a lot more you know emphasis on fundamental analysis other other folks look at you know you know, possibly just a supply and demand or technical analysis, and there's there's a lot of things to it. But when you're when you're hearing those those terms of fundamental analysis, what that's what they're really trying to look at is is like you know what are the how's this company you know doing in terms of how are they making money? What is their business model? How does it interact? Um, you know, with the overall economy, is it sustainable? Does it have growth potential? Is it you know are are they are they you know pushing against you know are they are they, are they you know, running against the wind, you know, or, or, or they have the wind at their back, you know, how is it that, that they're that they're conducting business and how is it making sense or not, so to speak? And um, is it when you're looking at the fundamentals, that's really what you, you know, you, you can glean from when they start into that conversation and you hear those terms. It's like, okay, I, I, now you can know kind of what they're talking about, so to speak. It's uh, interesting, Glenn, fundamental analysis. So not all, not all fluff. There's some uh, some reasoning behind it. Good to know. Uh, margin account. What is a margin account? Well, a margin account, Walter, is you know you, you typically are going to if if you have a margin account, it's simply and it's in the easiest term, it means that you can borrow against what's in the account, right? So a margin account, you would not you you're not going to have a margin account in like say like a retirement account, like a four hundred one k or an IRA or something like that. But it is possible to have a margin account with a with a non-qualified account or an after-tax dollars account, where you know you've paid the taxes on these dollars, you you know you put the money in there, and so now that that type of a an account you know could be subject to capital gains tax or dividends and you know or interest you know and and the, and then and whatever earnings or losses you know that, that that might experience you know you know could end up on you know on this year's tax return versus being a deferred scenario so that's the type of an account that that you could you know have with you know with margin and margins just simply means the ability to borrow against it so you know you you know let's say for instance you have x number of dollars in value there you know the the brokerage house says okay well will allow you to you know to borrow against that so that you can continue to hold on to those assets and you know we'll we'll give you a loan with the, with those assets as collateral so to speak now that being said as you can imagine that that can be that can be a very risky proposition some folks will try to use that to borrow money to buy more shares and that's highly speculative and can be very dangerous you know, and it's it's a it's a high you know high risk high reward kind of game that can be played. Other folks just use a margin account to say, you know what, I just you know I just want to be, maybe be able to have an easy place that I can you know it's like if I have a short term you know cash flow need that I can you know take a, a small loan out you know, against against some assets that I have to be able to you know to bridge that gap. It's you know it's all in how you use it, but the idea is is a margin account allows you to borrow against the um, the assets that are that are there in the account. I think that's so cool, Glenn. Um, interesting to hear about that, but something that it sounds like the average 
retirement planner or saver needs to be careful of uh, when we start talking about margin accounts, um, getting into things that might be a, a little bit more advanced for the average person there. Is that a good way to read that? Yeah. It's like I say, it's just, you gotta be, you know, you know proceed with very, with, with lots of caution, but it's just, you know, just a, de- a definition is, is that, you know, that it allows you to borrow against those assets. But again, you know, you gotta be careful. And is the, does that make sense to do? And, um, you know, that's something that you don't want to enter into lightly. And you want to, you know, it's like you want to make sure that it's like if you're going to do that, that you know exactly what you're doing. And in fact, you know, the, the different in, you know, investment companies that, that allow for margin accounts, you, you have to you know, sign you know, different disclaimers and everything and they, you know, that you understand the risks that you are taking, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's, you know, they, they, you know, it's, a higher, it's a higher level of uh, suitability, so to speak, that they have, have folks uh, you know, enter into and then make sure that it's like, okay, you're aware that if this happens, then it's possible that, you know, that they can, you know, in essence, if you have an asset that's collateralized, well, if, you know, if the value of that asset drops and then you have too much loan out, then they can actually sell some of your assets to be able to satisfy, you know, where, where, where that where that margin account is in terms of the overall balance for the arrangements that you've made with that company. So you be very, very, very cautious, but um, you should understand what it is and what it means. But that doesn't mean that, you know, it's, it's, the, old, it's the old adage is just, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Right. Mm-hmm. Very good point, Glenn. And uh, I said that all of these were going to be in alphabetical order. Well, I'm going to go against that now. Uh, we're going to take, take a step back in the alphabet for our last one here, Glenn. Uh, lifetime income benefits. Lifetime income benefits. So we started the show off with accelerated death. Now we're talking about lifetime income. So we're ending on a positive note in terms of verbiage, at least. Uh, what are lifetime income benefits and why are they important to know for a retiree? Well, Walter, I mean, typically, you know, and you're talking about an insurance type of product and you're, you're looking at lifetime income benefits. Uh, oftentimes you might be looking at an annuity type of product, you know, something that acts like a personal pension, you know, plan, so to, you know, so to speak. Different companies will characterize these accounts somewhat differently. Some companies will call it a benefit base. Others might call it an income value. Some might call it a protected income value. But in essence, you know, you're, you're looking at, you know, having an account or a policy that allows you to put money into it and then you know once putting money into it it allows you to be able to draw an income stream you know for a lifetime or possibly for a joint lifetime if you if it's a married couple right and so you know on oftentimes when you're when you're looking at you know bridging a gap in terms of income let's just uh, hypothetically say you know we have you know Bob and Mary are going to retire and so when we start to sit down and then talk to Bob and Mary and, you know, we say, OK, well, how much is your Social Security benefits going to be? And so, you know, we, we, we get a number. Right. And so then we say, well, do you have a pension? And, you know, and more often than not, when we ask those ask that question, more people say, no, no, we don't have a pension, but we do have our 401ks and our IRA saved. And they say, OK, well, now, you know, now we know how much your, you know, your Social Security benefits are going to be. And what is your lifestyle need? Well, oftentimes you know, we have a lifestyle need that is something higher than what the the um, Social Security benefits are going to be, and so there's this gap, right? That it's like, okay, we need we need a, a somewhat more money in order to have the lifestyle that we want to have, and so when we start having that conversation, it's like, well, how much of that income do you want to be subject to risk in the market, and how much of that of that income gap do you want to have to be reliable and, and that you know that's going to be there? And, you know, more often than not, folks say, well, you know what? I mean, I would really like to make sure that it's like, you know, we have this baseline that, that we know that we're going to have and we need a little bit more than what 
the you know the social security is going to provide to us and so that ends up being a case where then we start to explore the possibility of whether or not it makes sense to look at some financial products that have those lifetime income benefits that can maybe take a portion of money and then you know position it in such a way that now we can fill that gap and you know and, and know that there's going to be reliable income there that can that can serve the lifestyle and then you then you have the other assets that you can do other things with you know possibly investments or you know legacy planning or you know charitable giving or whatever you want your you know monies to do for you but you know the the, the key is is you know to understand that there's that there are there are ways to have reliable income and that your income streams don't necessarily have to be tied to the risk of the overall ups and downs of the of the of the market so to speak well glenn it's helpful to get your guidance and uh, advice and perspective on some of these things. And I know we covered a lot of ground on today's show, but if somebody has uh, questions about this, here's the easy way to get in touch. If you want to talk to Glenn about something you heard on today's show, or maybe there's some other financial element that you would love some more direction on, uh, more explanation on, you can get that from Glenn and the team by calling 336-291-3535. Get a complete financial plan while you're at it, 336-291-3535, or go to RoadmapFinancial.com and click on the free consultation button at the bottom of the page. That's RoadmapFinancial.com. For Glenn Mosseller, I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of the Financial Dictionary on the Retirement Roadmap Podcast, and we'll talk to you again next week.